Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one legalistic page of Talmud every day because today's pages get to both 16 and 17. Well, they're all about the, it's the name of the track that implies, the ketubah. You know that marriage contract. Many of you may have it signed and framed and maybe hanging somewhere in your house with a bunch of, I don't know, beautiful illustrations and verses from the Bible. But today's pages of Talmud reminds us that this ketubah, this marriage contract is precisely this. It's a contract, not some beautiful artifact to hang in the hallway or in your bedroom, but something that actually carries some legal meaning. Have a listen. And there are some who teach the dispute between Rabbi Abahu and Rav Papa with regard to the Baraita that says, in a case where a woman lost her marriage contract or concealed her marriage contract, and she claims that she's unable to find it or her marriage contract was burned, and there is no proof with regard to the sum to which she is entitled, or practices performed exclusively at the weddings of virgins were performed at her wedding. Example, people danced before her or played before her or passed before her a cup of good tidings or a cloth of virginity. If she has witnesses with regard to any of these practices, her marriage contract is 200 dinars, the standard, basically saying, guys, look, this is a serious contract and this woman is entitled to cash money even if she lost a contract, if she could prove things. Now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the show a great rabbinic authority, the Corderoyster Rav, our very own Mark Oppenheimer, who will confess to us a dark secret from his own rabbinic court, right? It is It is true, uh, Reb Liel, that the Corderoy Rav himself, proving that even the greatest of, of Hasidic masters, such as myself, is fallible, right? Is not Moshiach has lost his ketubah. Uh, the ketubah that my wife and I created when we were married was very traditional one in its language. Uh, it was somewhat non-traditional in that it was uh, printed out on a what may have been a dot matrix printer, though perhaps we passed into the era of inkjet or laser printing. It was not designed by a Judaic artist or a ketubah artist, but it was it was perfectly kosher. And no, it was no, no, no. Hold on. By- I need to slow this down. So most of us go on Etsy or ketubah.biz or wherever we get our Judaica. Uh, right. Or a local Judaica store, right. and and buy these, you know, beautiful, artistic, well-designed, highly intricate things. You are telling me that you and your wife, who I should mention is a very celebrated lawyer, sat down, wrote the thing on what, like a word document? I believe it was in a word document. <laughs> it, it, I, I like to think it was MS Word. It, it could have been Word Perfect. Uh, it, it's so you went on Google. You're like uh, googling Aramaic Ketuba agreement contract well no no no. we we wrote it in english because as you may know hashem god speaks all languages Uh, but it was it was in fact the language you know the 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 prescribed the halakhically prescribed language you know binding us to each other spelling out what would happen should the marriage be dissolved all all the language it's you know protecting the wife's interest it was a very traditional uh, indeed orthodox ketubah Um, and then we had a traditional wedding, you know, the seven blessings and so forth and so on. What was non-traditional was that, um, yes, it was in English and printed out on a printer. And also that then we proceeded to misplace it. Now I should be clear is that there, there's, as I have thought this through, there, there are a couple competing Jewish principles at stake in how to 
in how to perceive this crime, right? How great a crime is it that we've lost this kachuba? One of the principles at stake, of course, is hidor mitzvah, right? The beautification of right. the commandments, uh, which is why people, you, you know, the idea is if you're going to do something commanded, do it well and do it beautifully, which is why people quite, um, quite understandably hire uh, do, do, artists, do it seven hundred dollars, uh, not seven dollars. Right, exactly, and and so understandably, some people want a beautiful document with beautiful Hebrew calligraphy that they will then frame, and there's a religious impulse behind that. But there's also a Jewish understanding that the sacred lives everywhere, right? So, in fact, last week's parsha, as you recall, in in Balak, we learn that you know with Balaam when he sets out to curse. Um, the Jews, he can't, and instead, what comes out of his mouth is is matovu ohalacha Yaakov, right? That how great are are your tents, Jacob? Which is the blessing that, in fact, we say when we enter any space of worship. It doesn't have to be sacralized or consecrated in any way. If there's if people are going to learn there, if there's a Torah scroll there, if there's some books there, some form, then you would say. Aren't these great? Isn't this a great tabernacle? Isn't this, aren't these great tents? Because the sacred is everywhere, not just in in places that have been beautified by special artists or calligraphers, but in places that have some you know a homely scrawl on them, some chicken scratch uh, on them. So I think there are, there are a couple principles here. On the one hand, you want these things to be beautiful. On the other hand, as long as the spirit is there. And then how goodly Even they are. H- right? How goodly are your HP inkjet printers, Jacob? <laughs> Precisely. I believe that's what last week's partial was telling us. So now here's a question. Uh, you have shared the story of your ketubah and losing it uh, on our other show, Unorthodox, and some listeners were deeply disturbed and raised the possibility, as today's page of Talmud indeed does, that, you know, there may now be some uh, some halachic problems with your marriage. You, you may now, uh, you know, open yourself up to all kinds of allegations uh, that you may owe or may not owe something because you lost a contract that the Talmud tells us ought not to be lost. Has, has this recognition, um, has this sparked tensions between you and your lovely wife? Are you now kind of do you feel kind of a, a, a tense vibe in, in the household? I was intrigued. I have not revisited this uh, this page of Talmud in some time. I was intrigued that the Baraita expresses the possibility that the woman has intentionally misplaced or concealed the ketubah, which does raise the possibility, right, that if you were wanting to step out as an adulterer or adulteress, one of the things you would do, of course, is take your ketubah off the wall and conceal it underneath the bed or under the mattress, right, that this could be intentional. And I think that is a good point, right, You that, that if that if the misplacement of the ketubah bespeaks a deceit within the marriage, of course, it's hugely problematic. At the same time, I would like to intercede by offering Rav Mark's understanding to go against Rav Papa's, which is that if neither party knows who it was who misplaced it, if in fact the uh, incompetence is so widespread across both parties of the marriage, then the question at stake is not one of concealment or conceit, but merely one of uh, stupidity and indolence. And I think that's not quite as as horrible, right? Where it's not two people who are looking to cheat on each other. It's two people who maybe are just uh, poor homemakers. It's two people who or, have five children, let's be honest here. It's people, it's people who are slobs or who may be on the move a lot or have five children. And surely we're not the first people to have misplaced something important in trying to, you know, run a Jewish home. Well, 
Corduroy Rav, Mark Oppenheimer. I, for one, fully believe that wherever that three-page Word document, I hope double-sided, I hope black and white to save in cartridge, uh, Ketubah might be, it continues to emanate holiness. And I thank you so much for being our guest. I am now going to go rummage through closets and hope that when I find it, the pages have not perforated along the dotted lines from one another. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.